My name is Stan. I'm uh, the oldest pastor here, okay? <laughs> so, and uh, maybe that's why they, they let me speak on wisdom because they think I know something. But <clears throat> actually, uh, I have a confession to make. Uh, this, for wh whatever reasons, this has been a rough week for me to uh, really prepare for this. Uh, and I think uh, maybe part of it was, uh, you know, Pastor Kotz sets a high bar, and this is kind of his baby. And so he allowed me to kind of take this message, and uh, I don't want to bring it down, the bar down. So I'm, I'm, I was nervous about that. I was also nervous because I don't consider myself to be a wise person. I consider myself to be a learning person. I consider myself to be able to uh, see all kinds of uh, points of view. If you are familiar with Enneagram, I'm a nine. And so I see all kinds of points of view and what that allows for me to do is I can sound very smart, but I'm not. It's just that I, I can uh, understand points of view and I, I, I can explain points of view. But God does want us to be wise. And so, so what I want to do is kind of point to how that comes about. And that's kind of going to be the focus of this. And I, I titled this Let Wisdom Flow because I believe uh, the, the series has been about how we love God through this time where the world is outside of his intended vision or his intended purpose. And so I believe it comes through wisdom, that wisdom is part of how we can be a vessel or an instrument of influence and to be able to make a difference in the world. And so the, the Bible invites us in the book of James, which is in the New Testament. Uh, I know Koss likes the Old Testament, but I'm gonna do most of my stuff from the New Testament, okay? So the book of James is what I would consider to be a book of Proverbs. And so in the, it contains a lot of wisdom things. And one of the first things James writes to the people is found in James 1.5. And he says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. So the first thing that God says is, you want wisdom? Ask me. And you know, in the Old Testament, there was a guy who took God up on his offer. And in First Kings, the book of First Kings, we meet a man named Solomon. And he had just become king. And God said, what do you want, Solomon? What, what's your wish? And Solomon said this, give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this, this your great people? It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. So God was glad that, that Solomon wanted wisdom. And so 
God does not want us to be in a state of where we're always wondering what to do, but he, he invites us to be able to know and to be wise in it. The thing was, if you read through the book, if you read the rest of Solomon's life, he got this wisdom that was so great that he was probably uh, in that world the utmost king, the, the high uh, standard as far as the king was concerned. And people would come to visit him. And it says in, in, in the story of Solomon that he had riches beyond telling, that gold became as common as bronze in his kingdom, that he had all the time in the world because he had no wars, nobody fought him. And in fact, people come, came to, to hear him. So he had power, he had wealth, he had time. So you would think, well, so that's what wisdom is supposed to be. But the problem was with Solomon is all of those things somehow left him empty. And if, if I would invite you to read the book of Ecclesiastes, which is a, a book that Solomon wrote. And in that book, what you will sense is the emptiness that all those things left him. Kind of like what the, the first song was talking about, that he searched the whole world and the man's praise and treasures that fade would never satisfy. And Solomon knew that. Solomon knew that. But there was someone greater than Solomon who came into the world. And that is found in Matthew 12 and in, Matthew, and in Luke 11:31. And Jesus says this, the queen of the south will rise up at the generation with this, will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. And he was referring to himself, that Jesus was even greater than Solomon. But what made him greater? Well, one of the things looking back where we can look at is, you know what Solomon's legacy was? After Solomon died, his kingdom got divided. There was quarrels, there was uh, just a, uh, never again a united kingdom after Solomon. It was just total, what Katz has been talking about, total disarray. Jesus, on the other hand, when he left, his legacy was to bring about a community or a body that would love one another, that would seek to help people, that would seek to bring a unity and a peace. And Jesus's legacy still lives. Everyone knows, or most people know about Solomon, but what Solomon is known for is his wisdom usually. Not how great a man he was, not how kind he was, because frankly, he was not that kind in a lot of ways. Because what happened with all that wisdom was, it became what the Bible talks about, man's wisdom. So, he, so Solomon took wisdom and made it his own and it corrupted. Whereas God, whereas Jesus took wisdom and left it for what it, what it was 
and it, be, it became known as godly wisdom. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians kind of refers to that. And in 1 Corinthians 8, verse 1, it says this. Now concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Knowing something apart from a relationship with God will just make you arrogant and puff you up. It is only in a relationship with God that you will not go the way of Solomon. No matter how smart you are, no matter, no matter if you know all the answers to all kinds of psychology, all kinds of uh, interpersonal relationships. Solomon was a great interper uh, had great relational intelligence. But all those things, apart from a relationship with God, will leave you puffed up. Whereas love will build up. So Paul goes on to say, if anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know it, not yet know as he ought to know. But if anyone know, loves God, he's known by God. So Paul is basically, Paul is, in a, is kind of a, very, uh, oftentimes very indirect in what he's trying to say. And this passage, I believe he's, he's, what he's basically saying is this, is that apart from a relationship with God, knowledge is going to be a self-centered thing, where it was meant to be an other-centered thing. And so, I, I, I think James kind of picks up this theme and makes it a little more explicit. So we're gonna go back to James chapter three, and he writes this. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Okay, so being wise and knowing what to do and doing that, that good thing, there's nothing wrong with that. Solomon did a lot of good things with his wisdom but it, it was not in meekness. And meekness is, uh, to me, in this sense, another word for humility. And basically, humility is not something that you necessarily try to get in yourself, but it's seen by other people. It, it's not something that you try to put on humility, but you are acting in a humble manner, and people see it. So James goes on to write, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. So in other words, if what you know and what, you, what you're aware of, inside of you is forming this bitter jealousy, which is to me is like being able to compare with other people and say I'm better than them, or that if I had what they had, that I could be what they are, or selfish ambition, right? That, that everything that I need, I need to get. That, that there is something that I'm lacking, and I need to get it. And James goes on to write this. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Remember, Paul compared that knowledge to idols, right? And so when 
knowledge is not put into a relationship with God, it can, it can become an idol. It can become earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Because basically, when uh, a definition for sin can be when we say no to God. When God asks us something and we say no, that is basically we're headed on this path of having not the earthly wisdom or not the godly wisdom, but turning the godly wisdom into earthly man's wisdom. Then James goes further and says, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. So in other words, maybe you, you want to know if you're really operating in manly wisdom. See what's, what's happening around you. Are, are you creating disorder? Are you creating an environment where people feel empowered to do bad things, to be hostile to one another? So maybe what you're saying might be true, but inside of you, it's not connecting up with God. And in that way, it's becoming where that is creating an environment where the, you're setting the environment up to be what Solomon's legacy was. After Solomon died, his kingdom was split. People turned away from God in both kingdoms. And so God basically got a big no from everybody. And then James goes on to write, the contrast is this. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. So that's what needs, what if we're really in a relationship with God and developing godly wisdom, those are the things that we should be seeing inside of our hearts and building. And James goes on to say this, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So if those qualities are growing inside of you, you're gonna sow peace. And James kind of, uh, the verses and chapters were put in after the, the thing was written. So they weren't put in by James or the writers. So I'm gonna go on to chapter four, and it says this, because I think it ties into what James just said. And he says this, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? So basically James is saying, you know, you wanna, you wanna understand how to mediate a situation and things? The world will tell you, well, you got to get all, all the sides together. You got to understand each other. You got to come up with this knowledge. But James is saying this, that that will not be a lasting thing. You know, there's a difference between seeking relief and seeking healing. Seeking relief is where you want to get rid of the pain, you want to get rid of the conflict. Seeking healing is where you're willing to step through the pain, you're willing to step through the conflict so that what is causing that pain and things is healed. And that may involve 
having things muddled, having things uncomfortable. So in other words, it may involve no relief for a season. But if you're going after healing, that is the nature of the process. And so James writes in chapter, uh, verse 2, you desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. So in other words, you, you are all into yourself and what you feel you need, and so you don't ask for any help. You just look in, in, inside of you and look for the resources that you have. And if you don't have enough resources, you try to get it, and you try to acquire it. And then James writes, you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your, your passions. So in other words, even in your seeking, you're going at it at the wrong direction. You're looking to try to make yourself enough. When, when we come into a, a connection or a union with God, he tells us we're enough, that he's enough that he and us make a completion of what he intended you to be. So let me give you some maybe uh, practical kinds of things. This kind of seems kind of theoretical. One way to, to step into godly wisdom is this, uh, maybe you've done this before, but Proverbs in the Old Testament has 31 chapters. And there are most months, there's 31 days. Uh, some of them aren't, uh, but this month there's 31 days. And what I would invite you to do is what, whatever day it is, to read that chapter in Proverbs. See, Proverbs is, is a grouping of, of uh, teachings, so you don't have to necessarily read from beginning to end. You can start wherever, and it's gonna have things to say. So you can start right now. And the good thing about it is if you miss a day, you don't have to go back and, and reread that. You can start at that day. So take a, take a chapter a day, and then after you've read it, the next thing is to look to apply it. In other words, don't just seek to understand it, but ask God, so what would you say I need to pay attention to today from this, from this reading? And I believe that, well, if, what you'll see in Proverbs is that it is all about interpersonal relationships. So it's all about what James talked about. You have quarrels, you have all these things, right? And it's gonna help you be able to identify what's inside of you that may be causing those quarrels. Or, at the very least, it will help you understand why those things trigger what they do inside of you. Why do they upset you so much? And then, the next thing after that is I would recommend that you ask God to help reveal your motive. You know, sometimes, we may think, okay, well, the reason I, I feel that way is because this person did that to me, and I still remember it, 
So, and then we, so what we do is we approach it on the basis of, well, I need to forgive that person. So, so we go to God and say, God, help me forgive them. Help me forgive them. And sometimes that uh, is where God wants us to be, but sometimes there's a deeper invitation. And the deeper invitation would be, be something like this. Why was I hurt by that? What is it that it points to as far as a need inside of me or a longing inside of me or something that I feel that I don't have? And that's a motive, okay? Longings and things, the deep needs that we have motivate us, whether we like it or not. And most of them are in what's known as the unconscious. We don't even know it a lot of times. And so what, what God can do is to step into the, the unconscious and make us aware of it so that we start to understand it more. So the last, that's the last uh, thing in this is to look at your relationship with God, with others, and yourself, and see is the atmosphere, the way that you would uh, characterize that relationship as a peace, or would it be conflict, or would it be confusion? Whatever the, the atmosphere is, to invite God to, to help you move through it. And I included yourself, because sometimes part of it is, as James kind of alluded to, that we are at war with our passions within us. And so we have to, to be able to identify, well, why are we fighting against ourselves? And uh, Katz mentioned a, that uh, he's going on sabbatical. So one of the things Pastor Laurie and I are kind of working on is, is a series on contact or the health of the relationship connection. And sometimes the connection we have with ourselves is not the healthiest. It's been polluted by things. And so that's what wisdom has to do, is to be able to see what is real, what is really there, and not try to deny it, not try to, to uh, forget about it, but to be able to see it. I have a life verse that uh, I'd like to share with you. And it's from Jeremiah. And Jeremiah says this, Thus says the Lord, let the wise man, not, let the wise man boast, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. God wants us to like ourselves, okay? But not because we're the wisest, not because we're the strongest, not because we uh, have the most wealth, but he wants us to to like ourselves because he delights in having us have a steadfast love because he has a steadfast love. 
because he loves justice. And when we love justice, when we want to put things in, in right order, that delights him. And when, he, when we bring righteousness in the earth, and to me, righteousness means to put things in the right order, to not put one thing that was never meant to be the focal point of your life into that focal point, and to, to have everything in the right order and be able to enjoy it in the right order. So I would invite you to take some time to be wise, because you can be wise. It's not a matter of how much you know, it's a matter of who you know. And who you know is, starts with yourself and with God. Because none of us can really truly know the depths of who we are unless we know God. And we can really never know the depths of who God is unless we know who we are. So let me pray and then we'll have the worship team lead us in worship, okay?